Well, you guys do know. This is where it all started. Oh, shit. Sure. Really? Really? The first radio station to grab a song and it was one DJ during his personal hour on the radio and he was instructed by the record company please not instructed but begged play something off of my soundtrack Demon Knight soundtrack and so he listens to the first song and he listened to the second song, and the third song, and the fourth song, and the fifth song, and the sixth song, <laughs> and the seventh song, and the eighth song, the ninth song, the tenth song, and the eleventh song, he heard a little thing called Hey Man, Nice Shot. Yeah. And he played that, and that's what happened spread and it didn't need any radio promo whatsoever. Yeah. Those are in the springs. Wow. wow. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't remember the station's name because I was too drunk most of the time. It was, probably, yeah, it was probably Kilo. They're still around. They're yeah. still here? Yep. So I hope I hope it is. I don't want to make a mistake. But <laughs> it probably was. I can't think that of it. was like the only rock station around back there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was alternative. Alternative Rock Station, 1995. Yep. I remember when that uh, that song came out. I think I was like 15, shy of 16, and uh, they started because they started playing it like two or three months before your CD actually came out. Yeah, and, and that's uh, why they that's why they were really like, hurry up, yeah, buy the record, yeah, or I mean mix the record. They were like mix and mix and mix. Put it up, and I was like, all right. And it was already on the charts when we finished it. And then we had to get it mastered, and then it came out like a week later. Yeah. And, uh, Deborah Norcross did all the artwork, and it was just like, boom, this like product. Not generic, not entirely generic, but not something you'd see. And, you know, in all these records I see, even with, uh, with the trouble with Angels. You know, there's all these reviews of records, and every record cover is like dark, and there's this one blue, shiny, yeah. you know, beautiful record cover that we we created a whole thing. And, you know, coming to the trouble with angels, I think it's I think it's there was a lot of experimentation that I did between short bus and and you know and title of record. Malgamut was kind of the record was stunted because I had to go into rehab and I went off and did it you know I went in and did a, a record with the DeLeo brothers called Army of Anyone All right. then I came back with a tribute record because a friend of mine got killed and here we are ten, 10 years later after Amalgamut and it's like here's the record that you were expecting me to, to deliver in 2004 but it's like you know 2010 so the record that we're doing now is seeing as how we established ourselves and our sound um, in that late 90s period we're living in this century we're also kind of pointing ourselves to the sound that we created so that we can always 
you know, so the people that bought those records are like, oh, this is awesome, because it sounds like the filter we know and love, but it's also unhinged. So, you know, that's kind of, that's why we're playing regular clubs, that's why we're playing, because there's so much, my brain had to rewire itself to get back to, like, the true essence of what filter was all about, and that's why I love where we're at now, because it's, 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 makes you really hungry it makes you really it makes the music better um, the experiments over and now it's time to just um, deliver what we created you know and feel and feel confident that not everything we do like anthems is necessarily where we're at with the original sound that that record was special and designed just for you know, soldiers of misfortune and stuff. And that the trouble with angels is the record that is bringing back the original sound. How's the uh, how's the tour going so far? Tour's fine. I mean, you know, it's 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 uh, it's always great to hang out with Josie and the guys. You know, from Saliva. It's fun. Last night we played in Denver and it was just insane. The mosh was there. The fucking kids were crazy. The it was the last time I played here, I believe. Someone was actually having sex on the mixing <laughs> console. And, like, the mixer was over here, and he's like, people are fucking in <laughs> And uh, we did a... Um, yeah, it's, it, we played Denver last night, and it was, off the, it was off the chain. It was just completely insane. I mean, it was like... Our... our our, our performance tactic has changed over the years, and I guess it's not a tactic, but you get in front of people, and you read an audience, and you find out what they need, you find out what they want, and it, it's really, it's amazing because when you go to Moscow in your filter, they learn the words phonetically. All right. You know, they... they, they <laughs> They don't even know the language. Yeah. And they're learning, hey man, that's why I said, you know, and they and they learn it or you know. So it and then you realize it's just people. It's, it's just human beings. It's they're 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 just like there's people here tonight. You know, they're there because they like a band and as a as a frontman, as a singer, as a as a songwriter, as a person who has lived this his whole life. I, it's I'm still learning that like wow, this is really cool. It's it's all about the band's music. You know, it's about this is why we're together. And and to bring people together was the the original reason why I got into this. I swear I've met so many people on the road that are like, yeah, I did it for the chicks. And I'm like, wow, really? I I I, I wanted to I wanted to stand in front of a stage any moat and be understood and with that understanding they get an understanding that it's okay to be in a bad way and like we all feel the same shit and and so and the music is that instrument that brings a, a, a and that's why I say it. it's like we're all just people man we're, we, we, you're the band I go you're the band you know you if without you, we're nothing. You know, we're we're here because of you. If you don't like us, see you later. 
we go back to doing whatever we did before this. So we understand that, and um, you know, it's 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 an amazing appreciation that they understand, and it's almost like, well, good. Now that that's all cleared up, and they and they and they like they respond and they just go crazy. I jump in the audience and nice. you know and you know young people don't yeah. you know they seem like they haven't seen that in a while yeah. you know what I mean and, and yeah. I, I'm sure the indie movement's all about just kind of watching it being still and, <laughs> you know what I mean I see yeah. I see stuff on you know I've seen some shit and it's like you know when, when, when you see a, when you see a teenager crowd surfing I, don't, I mean I know it goes on but it's almost like God, what was going on in the last ten? You know what I mean. What, yeah. What's been going on with you guys? So, well, to that end, I mean, what do you? I mean, you're one of the kind of few acts that survived, you know, from the mid late '90s, mm-hmm. you know, well and well into this decade and beyond. I mean, what do you what do you think has really kind of kept you relevant and, and is still helping you connect with you know, today's audiences? You know, I mean, just the diehards. You know. There's people that come up to me and they go. Your music helped me get through a lot of shit, and I think that's what it is. I think that I've noticed a lot of people have responded to a song called um, "No Reentry," and it's all about like you know once you leave, you know there's no reentry. Like at a club, there's no reentry. You're out, right? And it's just kind of taking that phrase like "Hey man, I shot" or something. It's it's and putting a, 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 a twist on it. And um, I, I just hear a lot of that lately. This is a depression. You know, there's no such thing as a middle class anymore, and there's no such thing as a middle class band. I'm right there with you. And I've had to deal with, like, you know, all kinds of crazy shit in the last couple of years. And um, uh, I feel... I've, I've, you know, I went on, I went on Facebook and posted, I'm going through the toughest time in my life, and I can't say what it is, you know, and it's just like, you know, it's, it's trust, it's trusting people, it's, it's being let down, it's being stolen from, it's being, it's, it's, it's you know, and, and, I, and, and all that's universal. That happens to everybody. Um, you know, it's like in the movie when someone like turns around and like has the gun, and it's the it's the partner. You know, it's like the cop movie, and like you know, hey, we got him good, and then he pulls out a gun and goes, "No, I, I got you." you know? You're totally. You're just sitting there like, "What? This is the last thing I expected." So, you know, I think that. The more I work on records, the more I, you know, be, I be given the opportunity to do stuff. I, I kind of put that in there. You know what I mean? And I think that's the only thing that makes filter interesting. Is not only the I love the music. I've heard people, you know, I don't know. I I, I, I love simple music. I love like. You know, I love like gotcha guitar moments, like "Hey Man, Nice Shot." If you learn it on the guitar, it's not that. It's like you're like, ah, oh. like Trent. When I showed it to him a long time ago, back in the early '90s, Trent Reznor, he goes, "You're cheating." You know, <laughs> it's because crazy. it's in it's in drop D. 
you, right. you take instead of playing a, a bar chord like this, right. you drop it, yeah. and you're playing it with two fingers. All you need is to have a good rhythm. You have to be born with a natural rhythm to kind of play it, triplets. Yeah. But you know, it's one of those. It's one of those. I will follow. You know, moments. It's like fuck. You know, I will follow so easy. And you know, the edge is like the guy that like, hey, I'm gonna take the delay and just fucking, you know, no one's no one sees this. I'm just gonna jump on this, you know. Whereas other people from that world, not the alternative world, but the you know the guys that really practiced. You know, the guys that sat there and learned the pentatonic scale and you know really, 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 really worked it. You know, he kind of went like, eh, is that really important? And, and just kind of grabbed some effect pedals and, and was, it was, I think, probably more, you know, more interesting than anybody that, like, was playing just the normal wiggly wiggly. Because once there's, once there's Van Halen for that kind of rock at the, at the time, because Led Zeppelin had already happened, you know, then there's Van Halen introduced in 1980. What do you do? You know, do you, do you compete with that, or do you just go on your own and do something? And he just went on his own and did something. Yeah. So that's kind of our approach musically. It's just, it's just to, it's just to get that feeling inside where you, you know, you just make that mental connection where it's like it's not, it's, it's not that. You know, take a picture was I, I don't know what that song was about. It was inspired by being drunk, but it was also defending drink being drunk because I wrote it. I, I wrote it when I was drunk. Like, Fuck you! I want to fucking be free in my world of drinking, in my world of drugs, and and this can't. How can this be wrong? It feels so good to be high. How can this be bad for you? And then like. You know, and then you then you ask like, you know, my dad's worried about me. What do you think of your son? No, man. Why is my dad worried about me? Why is my, why are my family worried about me? And then you're like, take a picture because I won't remember because you can't fucking remember a thing. When you're that. I was drinking a case like I was. It was I was there was so much drug and cocaine obliterates your memory. It just obliterates it. So. You know, and I think that the audience is trying to figure that, like, what the fuck is he really talking about? And it's just because it was so in the moment, and it had come from such a a real place that, like, you know, it existed. I mean, I just came up with that at the moment at the mic. Hey, Dad, what do you think? And that's the favorite part of the song. Yeah. yeah. And so the key is is bringing that passion. And that's what Drug Boy was all about, you know. If we could going up. going back into Drug Boy and and, and, and and going back into those years. Sorry, going no. back into those years and then and then pulling those years out and being that right now and living that again and conjuring up all the. It's like it's like a, it's more it's writing from experience as opposed to writing from like where you're at right now, which is Bukowski, and that was who I was idolizing, you know, that, back then was Bukowski and Hunter S. Thompson, and, and living in the moment, writing it down, and jotting it, jotting, talking into a microphone, and trying to remember it before you forget it, like, like, 
like memento, you know, like oh shit, yeah. I gotta tattoo this right. on my arm before I forget it. Like that's what this is, my sobriety day. Like I gotta remember that forever. You know? Anyways, um, I was just gonna ask if uh, if we could talk a little more about take a picture, like the yeah. instrumentation. Right. I was just curious because it's to me it, it struck me as unique how you know about half the song the drums are kind of you know in the mix kind of subtle yeah and then like you know halfway through it just my foot it's it's almost like you know a, a separate second drum set kind of comes in and it's kind of more yeah. traditionally loud in the that's mix the, that's we had a we had a drum machine that's a, that's one of the things that we were doing always the first record is is is, is almost completely if not a hundred percent programmed drums oh really. I don't. I think there was maybe a hat that we played live to give it a live feel, uh, <laughs> or or like real symbols, you know. Yeah. And everything's programmed. Um, but we we've always been like I didn't want to latch on to industrial because I knew my former my former bandmate was taking that to the. He was just gonna. I'm. He was always electronic. He always was playing keyboards. He was always the guy playing keyboards I was always kind of like I like elements of that but I want to be a little bit more global than just a genre and you know what I mean I want to be a little bit I, I play guitar when I hear feedback so what we do is in take a pictures there's a uh, there's a fake drum you know there's there's just beautiful electronic sounds and stuff and then halfway through right at the I think it's the second chorus, yeah. or the first halfway through the first chorus, or the second I think chorus. It's the second one. You just hear a drummer kick in. Yeah, <laughs> and, it's, and it's just so good. I, yeah. you know, for whatever reason, it's called I, a lift. Yeah, we lift it at that yeah. point by putting in real drums. Yeah, it works really, yeah. really, really well. That's why the the real drums on this record, Mika was. We were fighting. We were not me and Mika, but the producer and. There's always that weird moment where, like, it's so obviously a real drummer, and he's playing. He's like overplaying almost. Like Steve Gillis was like pissing everyone, like pissing the producer off. But I was like, what the fuck? If we have Clinton, Clinton as a fill for everything, yeah, it's fucking program time. Let's just program that. Yeah. If if we don't have then like something you can't program. What's the point? So we would. I would instruct Steve to do these humongous triplet fills in Columbine or in you know in all these other songs, and it was it was a, a, a constant clash between the producers. We went a little bit more rock on on this last one, but I think I think as there's a there's a happy medium. You know there was a there was a, a another version of Fades Like a Photograph actually on the 2012 soundtrack. And it's all live drums, and it's, it's it's you know you can you can hear the worlds colliding. There's still some, you know. And then we on this record, it was fully electronic, you know. And, and so there's a battle between electronic drums and programmed, and 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 I know that you know I was inspired by the same fucking bands that Trent Trent was in the Exotic Birds, and I was in the Act. You know, the, the revolting Cox came through town with Al Jorgensen and all his guys, and Paul Barker and Chris Connolly, and you know, and all these guys, and wax Trent, tracks people. <laughs> all the wax tracks folks. Trent and I were standing there. Trent goes, "You see that guy right there? That's Al Jorgensen. He's my fucking idol. I love that guy. Twitch, 
It's one of the greatest records ever. And that was the model of which Nine Inch Nails and the thinking of industrial, like, it's electronic, but it's, it's completely, oh my God, they were, they were arguing about what drugs they wanted to take that night on stage. <laughs> Acid's too much, and then Chris Conlon's like, Acid's too, it's too much. It's too much to freak me out, you know. And they were—I don't know if exactly exactly that was what he was saying or whatever. But I'm like, are you are you serious? Like, like open mic conversation about what drugs they were going to take. Like, I maybe we should get some coke. And it was like there's so much debauchery, spitting as I say it. There's so much debauchery. We were just like, and so. What Trent did with the nails and what I what I was always kind of into was songwriting. Whereas they would just kind of, you know, do these jams and that's it, you know. There was actually an approach to songwriting and that's when I had like a hole and found it and all that stuff. He had done that. I had disappeared and kind of did my own thing and then he did the whole record. And when I met up with him again, because at first we were going to work together, but it was just we were not at the... Then when I met up with him again, it was like, that's right, it's industrial, but there's songwriting behind it, and it's almost kind of pop. So, yeah. so maybe it'll. So the formula had been created, and but it was always industrial, you know, as much as. as, as and he was really. I don't know why I'm talking about all this, but it, it, he, he was <laughs> he was really actually into that at the time. I think it's because my recall is finally coming back. It's just so many years where I couldn't remember anything. So, wow. Anyways, back to take a picture. I have Ritlin. By the way, I'm ADHD and I haven't taken my Ritlin today, oh, so okay. I'm getting unhinged. That's Richard okay. Patrick. We're okay with that. Yeah. What was it like uh, for uh, Fades Like a Photograph? What was it like working with Brian again? Well, Brian, you know, hey, Brian, you want to do something? Great. Okay, cool. All right. Well, you know, here's the tracks. And he sits in his studio and sends them back to me. And I'm like, okay, great. We got a lot of stuff. Nice nice talking to you over the phone. You know what I mean? It's like, it's so wild now that people can just dump entire works into the, you know, an iDisc or you send it file and there you go. You're done. Yeah. So, but yeah, Brian and I have remained friends uh, throughout this time. Uh, Gino and I seem to butt heads every once in a while, but we still try and have talks. Um, Frank Cavanaugh, the military thing. I tried. To, I actually, I actually uh, wrote Frank a little while ago. I haven't heard back, but he's been. He does his music with Siv. He's in a new band called Siv or Sieve, and uh, um, I really haven't talked to Matt Gillis. But you know what? When he has babies, like I'll say congratulations and on Facebook and he'll, you know, but yeah, all those old guys are, are amazing. But you gotta remember, you gotta remember this, and, and I don't mean this in a dicky way, but you know, Tile of Record was just the two of us. It was, in fact, I was writing all the songs and Brian was just putting overdubs on top of everything with crazy sound design because none of us knew how to like think in the world of overdubs. We were just like adding stuff on top of it to make it just crazy. So, but Brian did a great job. He, you know, he did a lot of great work on that record. And um, through electronics, we had a really interesting thing. It was like a, it was like a, it was a tall, big black record. You know, it was a, it was a tall, big black record. And um, 
Um, you know, but but that's the that's kind of the thing. The people that went on tour with us and fleshed it out live. Some of those folks went with me into the studio for t for title of record, and I I made sure that they were in all the pictures, and I made sure that they were talked about. And I made sure that they were, but it was always a philosophy of I think the band that I was kind of talking about back then was the Wu Tang Clan. It's it's one or two key members with a ton of different other people, and over the years. You know, it's always been the kind of thing that it's it's an underlying rule that if you come in to filter, you're here. But if someone interesting shows up, you know, I'm gonna work with them too. If I'm if it's going to be set up in a in a in a Tom Petty slash um, Bruce Springsteen, you know, now I'm getting it. Now it's more like Queens of the Stone Age, or it's. It's it, there's revolving members and, and it's kind of a main focus and it's kind of like that's why I can have a Mitch Marlowe find the greatness in Mitch Marlowe and say you don't want to tour do you? you don't like touring Mitch Marlowe's like I, I want to do movie soundtracks I don't like he's like I'll come out for a couple uh, a couple weeks but I won't do anything and it's like okay well then that gives me an opportunity to, to go find someone that might replace you all together or, or work with us or do anything and he gets it he's okay with that so I'm like okay well then here comes Rob Patterson Rob Patterson's a great presence on stage as well as a great like riff writer he's a, he just you know he plays the heavy stuff you know um, I, I do a lot of the mellow stuff I just wrote a song last night you know, and it's just beautiful it's elegant I think I might even go like take a picture with it but uh, and because I've set those parameters, I can be that wide, and yeah. people kind of can understand that. And that's my crowd base is building because of that, you know. Again, and and they like, you know, some old, you know, there's year old lady standing in front of me next to the heavy metal kid that wanted to hear "Welcome to the Fold" and the heavy stuff, you know. And it's like, you know, and it. And there's the take a picture lady with the fifty yeah. year old, you know, and it, and and it's and it's. I'm like, you will have to move because this place is gonna erupt. <laughs> you're gonna die. <laughs> and I think it's. It it might have confused my record company back then, but when I talked to my my the latest my my friend Rob Cavallo a, a week ago from Warner Brothers, I was like, you were there when I did take a picture. You helped me produce that song. I was criticized for, for writing that song yeah. by the label after, you know, he, like, what, and he was like, Rich, it's about that. It's about we're trying to accentuate the artist. And, 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 and so that was, that's what Warner Brothers was. And that's why, you know, that's why I love Warner Brothers. And that's why I love Rob Cavallo. Because I'm like, he... he Understood that there's a there's a raw talent and you have to kind of guide you know a talent like mine. I'm not. I don't want to do everything. I don't want to fucking be the one guy. I don't like it. I, I want collaboration. I love working with other people. I get inspired by other people. You know what I mean? It's just sorry that like you know things have to change for me. I have to find new blood sometimes. But these guys actually the man I'm with now is. They're phenomenal. So. 
I'm hoping they get a lot of a lot of studio time with us. You know. So you guys have planning plans to go in the studio here in the next few months? Uh, not really. We we want we're gonna yeah. release we're gonna do the Give Me All Your Loving and uh and, and then I wanna I wanna work this record more. I, I feel that the trouble with angels is I, I think it got I think the um I think it I think it was I, I think it was launched I don't think it was launched right. I wanna relaunch it I think. I think I wanna pull, you know, others into like no love and stuff like that. And I think a few radio stations played played it, but I think that I think that Universal is gonna really kind of bring everybody back into what filter, you know, can do. And um, and then we'll remind everybody that there's a record out and we'll relaunch. You know, that's kinda of where I'm at. To be perfectly honest with you. That's I don't know if people really need to hear that or want to hear that, but that's kind of my plan. Um, you mentioned the Give Me All Your Loving, and it reminded me, I, I feel like many, many years ago, there was something on MTV or something. Didn't you guys do um, Wicked Game by Chris Isaacs? Yeah, I stood in front of Chris and tried to play it, and uh, I, uh, I learned that song, and I knew that... I heard that song at the... I saw the song on VH1, went to the movie, Wild at Heart, to see the credits because I love the guitar, guitar part so much. And, uh, and became a huge Chris Isaac fan. Bought it off the... I heard it from the record that he released and then I heard it on Wild at Heart and they had actually sped it up and did it differently. And... Uh, and I told, I told um, Kenny Dale Johnson, I, I go, I know you sped it up, and you vet it, you vetted it, and he goes, uh, and he goes, we did. And I'm like, uh, someone sped it up. It's faster, it's faster BPM. And he goes, really? And I go, yeah, maybe even a remix, right? Did you, did you guys do that? He goes, I don't know. Chris goes off and just shit, man. <laughs> but then I became friends with Chris. And then when I was standing in front of him, I was kind of like trying to play it, <laughs> and I'm not—I I forgot it. And also, it's in the key of E, and I'm drop D, and I can't play the rest of it because it goes on a different tuning. And I went, yeah. you know, <laughs> it was funny. But yeah, Chris Isaac. Every time I see him, he's a great guy. He's—I've always—I've—I've I've got a framed Chris Isaac, you know, signature that I framed myself and I like put it on my wall because I'm a huge fan. I, I think that. In this day and age, I think people kind of listen to everything because it's just an iPod on shuffle anyways, right? So, um, you know, that's why those old classic rock stations kind of, they, yeah. they kind of play new stuff too because it's kind of like everybody's got new stuff in their iPod as well. But um, I think it's okay to, to go from Welcome to the Fold to take a picture now. I don't think it was too popular. I don't know. I was convinced that it was not the right thing to do. It was, it was a sh even though the song was a huge hit, yeah. you know, and, and incredibly amazing for my my um, my life. You know, having a song that big. But I was really surprised by it when it came out. Jack's giving us a two minute warning. Okay. Um, one more thing. If you had to tweet in the last sixteen years. 160 characters or less, what would you say? I can't believe I've survived. <laughs> <laughs> but I have. 
I have. I, I can't believe I made it. I can't believe I have survived. I can't believe I'm, I'm this old and still doing what I do. And I love every, and I'm so glad I'm alive and I'm so happy to be alive and I'm so glad I can fight. It's my fight. Well, it's my fight. Well, we're glad you're still fighting it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so my fight. You. Cool. Well, we're so looking forward to the show, man. So you're, you're inclusive. Okay, well.